Welcome to the Black on Black Education Podcast, where we interview the most brilliant minds and connected hearts to discuss our shared passion for the transformation, the revolution, reimagining, and recreation of education in the Black community. My name is Eva Loren Jean Charles, founder of Black on Black Education and New York City High School teacher. And I'm Jamal Thomas, her partner and dad, education enthusiast, and we're, and we're your, your host. host. Please don't forget to like, comment, share, and subscribe. And most importantly, to enjoy the episode. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Black on Black Education podcast. Today, you're going to be hearing a conversation between myself, founder of Black on Black Education, and my father and co-founder, Jamal Thomas. We will be talking with the founders of nonprofit Making Us Matter, Gertrude Jenkins and Igosa Iboza. We talked about creating the systems that students need and deserve by any means necessary. They share a belief that revolutionizing the education system is going to have to happen from the inside and the out. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Black on Black Education podcast. As always, I allow our guests to introduce themselves and let people know who they are, what they do, and why they do it. Igo, so you wanted to take us on first? Sure thing. Um... Thank you for having us on. I am uh, in my 14th year of teaching. I'm currently a doctoral student at the University of San Francisco studying um, my focuses in racial justice. I have also done a lot of work with research regarding anti-Blackness in education and focusing on um, Black girl learners. And I am a curriculum creator and abolitionist teacher and co-founder of Making Us Matter. All of the amazing things, Gertrude. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having us. Um, Yeah, so like Igosa, I'm also a 14-year educator, um, also in a doctoral program. My research centers around um, anti-Blackness in schools, specifically on the lived experiences of Black educators. Um, co-founded, uh, co-founder of Making Us Matter. We are a nonprofit org, uh, abolitionist educators, black educators, and just overall, um, interested in seeing, uh, black teachers and students thrive in an educational setting that was designed for them. Oh, I love it. And and we've got the earrings to match. We've got earrings on. For those of you listening, you can't see them. It is the Black Lives Matter earrings on Gertrude right now, and I'm loving it. So let's talk a little bit more about Making Us Matter. Why did you start the organization? What kind of was the inspiration? Gertrude, you want to go first? Sure. Um, well, initially, uh, we were responding to the school shutdowns. Um, some schools took longer than others to set up a virtual platform, and we knew it was going to be the black schools, schools where they house black, brown, and poor students would be the last. Um, and true to form, like I have family members who have kids who school shut down mid-March. They didn't get a curriculum until like May 1st. Um, so we tried to get ahead of that by creating an interim schooling so that high school kids, and we have some middle schoolers too, um, could come and get the schooling that their schools weren't providing and like, let's be honest, weren't providing in the building either. Um, so that's how we got started. Uh, we've grown since then though. Now that kids are officially back in the swing, we've um, 
moved into a Saturday program and um, also will soon start transitioning into some curriculum retreats for educators as well. I love that. And so he goes to, do you want to go in a little bit about how your organization values the voices of educators and particularly black ones? Um, yeah, for sure. First, we have an all black staff um, and we are expanding what it means to be an educator by employing folks who might not have their teaching credential, but who are experts in their field, who might be a law student who could teach a class called I Know My Rights, um, things like that. We also have invested a lot of time in helping our educators create curriculum that is accessible, that is humanizing, that is focused on Black culture um, through our, our meetings with our educators. And we are essentially giving Black educators permission and encouraging them to use their lived experiences to inform their teaching practices. I love that. And 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 so then I kind of want Gertrude for you to kind of piggyback off of that and then begin to talk about kind of some of the the um, experiences that you're having with students and how they're engaging uh, with the content that you help you all have been able to create. Um, I think first on the teacher end, um, it's a liberating act to be able to create curriculum that tells your story and speaks to the counter narrative and um it's been beautiful to watch educators develop those uh, bits of curriculum. And then for students to be in this space where you can get that. Um, I just finished doing a PD with teachers in Minnesota, majority white staff who um, are definitely missing the mark when it comes to any type of, any type of inclusion um, for black students. So one, one of the most remarkable things about working um with making this matter and beginning this initiative is seeing students change and evolve. Um, and the dope thing about it being virtual is that we have kids from all over. So one kid in particular, she's in Louisiana. Uh, she's in a red state. She's in a very red, red, red um, town that she's in. And this year she's decided to embrace her natural hair unapologetically. Yeah. Um, definitely like speaking up and having the conversations that even her teachers won't have. Uh, and, and that kind of courage to speak truth to power is what we want to see black children, all children, really, but specifically black children to be able to do and to have those conversations where they're not being had. Like be the adults in the room if, you, if, they're, if the adults in the room are not being the adults in the room. And um, a lot of them are getting that. That's awesome. I was I just finished reading um, Dr. Patina Loves. Uh, we we want to do more than survive, and it is just it has already become one of my favorite pieces of of authorship of all time. Uh, so anyone who has not gotten it, let's go uh, because it just sets your your soul on fire. And what y'all are doing remind me so much of when she talks about Fist, that organization um, that she had growing up that really brought her into her blackness and showed her who she was and, and allowed her to walk through the rest of life with that. Um, and, and and for you all to be doing work that's doing that for kids is, is in, incredible and so admirable. Yeah, I just want to add, love Bettina Love. Um, love that book. Um, and love how she framed what it means to be an abolitionist educator. And I think the way that she's framed that really is so foundational to making us matter to our current research on, on comparing Black student experiences in schools. So yeah, big shout out to, to that pivotal piece. 
we got our fingers crossed. She's going to be on the podcast one of these days. We're going to get her. (laughs) (laughs) And so I want to start to kind of move backwards, right? So can you talk a little bit about, I mean, 14-year educator as a first year, I'm like, how am I ever going to get there? Um, And so can you just talk a little bit about how your 14 years of experience for both of you has has shaped your career thus far, shapes your your area of study, shapes um, kind of how making us matter begins to do it? and continues to develop. Yeah. Yeah, I'll go ahead. Yeah. Um, I, it's so 14 years. I think my biggest takeaway is learning that the institution of education is what it is. The institution of education is not really willing to shift. It's the same way we look at the prison system or policing. These are institutions that are set up to do exactly what they're doing. So there's not a lot of motivation to make it different. And so being in education for 14 years, that has become more and more clear each year because each year students, teachers, those who are trying to push for change and structural shifts, it it's usually ends up with, with nothing happening because that's not the motivation. So I think that's my biggest takeaway, which is what uh, is so beautiful about creating Make It Us Matter. We are being abolitionists and we're creating a new system away from a system that is broken and has been broken and continues to harm and break the spirits of students and teachers, but especially Black students and Black teachers. Um, and my other takeaway for, for being in the game for 14 years is do not let these people try to dim your light because they will do it every day, all the time, every chance that they can get, um, whatever that looks like, minimizing your pedagogy, stealing your work. Um, they will shout each other out every single time, but they'll ignore you, especially as a black person, black woman, as much as they can. And it's, 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 it can, it can be harmful to, to us as educators, but I just say that don't, do not let these people take away the brilliance you are bringing to the table. Mm, Thank you. Did y'all hear that? Just play it back and then listen to it again. Gertrude. <laughs> yeah, much of the same. Like I think um, this is a scholarship that's born out of pain and frustration. Um, because when you realize that the system is functioning just as it was designed, um, you start to question your place in it. And especially when you know you have a knack for reaching students, um, especially when you know that you have a heart for students that, teachers do not have heart for it all, um, it becomes incredibly frustrating. And um, I think that um, despite it all, these 14 years has um, given me that motivation. Um, Much of what Igosa has said, you know, it's don't be a Black teacher and have the nerve to want to be innovative. Don't be a Black teacher and have the nerve to um, speak out to bring your politics into the classroom, as they often like to say, that's the playbook. And it really is a practice in bucking those each step of the way, doing so unapologetically, not feeling like you're too small that you can't, these people, (laughs) these people don't know anything that they're doing, uh, specifically for black kids, but I I question kids in general. So please don't think that like someone's, you know, I spent a lot of time that first five years, especially thinking that somebody had a jump on expertise because they had a position that was higher than mine. And that wasn't the case. Um, 
so yeah, it, 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 it's very fascinating to me how many of us either choose the buck systems, bobbleheads, or leave entirely. Um, but it seems to be like the only paths for Black educators. So mm -hmm. um, the biggest takeaway is when the space no longer serves you, find a space that you can serve that's your own. And, and that's what we're doing. We're making us matter. Wow. I love, love, love that. My dad literally just told me I keep saying that so much on the podcast. I need to switch it up. I don't care. I love, love, love that. Um, and and what it makes me think and what it makes me uh, feel is that there are so many of us that are feeling exactly what each of you said and in their first year, in their fifth year, in their sixth year. And they think it takes until 14, 15, 20 years for them to have that, that understanding. Um, and it doesn't, you can, you can understand it in the first year. And, and like you said, I, I mean, I sit here for my first year in the, in the classroom questioning my place, my place in it. So um, thank you so much for that. The insights were incredible. And so I just want to talk about academia, right? You, you, you're choosing to, to stay in the classroom, to create your own systems, but then also go into, uh, a, a racist, um, historically um, ex exclusionary system in order to then continue to push yourselves uh, forward. So I, I would love for each of you to talk just a little bit more in depth about your areas of study and how they um, will serve to to get to the systems that we, we would love to see. Igosas, um, kick us off. All right, for sure. Um, yeah, the way you said it, we're going back to the institutions that are are doing exactly what we're complaining about. But um, in, in part one, I think we're in a program specifically IME at the University of San Francisco where we're able to meet a lot of like-minded folks to where someone like Gertrude and myself can get together and create this with the support of everyone on campus, our faculty, our advisors, all that. So there, there's beauty in that. Two, while I acknowledge that the ivory tower is um, often part of the marginalization of voices like ours, we, we get to use the institution to do what we need to do. We can get these letters behind our names so that we can have more power to, to subvert all these systems. And we have the um, ability to write and create and all that with the institution behind our name, as bad as it sounds, it helps, right? It allows us to get places and get the ear of folks that we might not have been able to do if we were, you know, posting these and publishing this on our Instagram accounts or medium accounts and things like that. So that's, that is the reality. But I, but I also want to say that we are lucky to have the amount of support we do where we are at. Thank you. I definitely want to shout out IME at uh, IME department, um, which is a very unique department because we know that everybody has that same magic at uh, USF. Um, but also um, specifically as it relates uh, to my research, I think that um, there's a way to be within and bust it wide open. Um, and one um, area where that definitely needs to be upheld and taken over is teacher education programs. Um, I, was, I am going to say I think I was lucky um, 
not to have gone through a teacher ed program for undergraduate school because I don't think I would have taught after that just from so many horror stories that I hear. Um, but I do have uh, my master's in uh, multicultural literature education. And thinking back on it, I can't think about anything, any part of that that was multicultural <laughs> at all. Um, got the degree, but but just don't um, wow. do inflection of it all. So like I'm saying that to say, especially for what uh, what my study is, how do we not only ensure that we get more black aspiring black educators into these teacher ed programs but also how do we redesign the curriculum so that when they're in there it's specific to what they're experiencing mm. you know they, there needs to be classes that says hey you work you're the only black teacher at this predominantly white school not only how do you develop curriculum but how do you develop curriculum that might be unapologetic and seem deemed um, uh, problematic and how do you push forward that with confidence yeah. you know um, we, we don't have that. We don't have, no one tells a black teacher what to really expect when we go into these schools. And that's the part that, you know, being within the institution allows you to do to create those spaces so that um, black teachers can feel like this is a profession that they're well prepared and supported in. Mm -hmm. I, I'm about to say it again. Yes. I hear that. Um, and I think what it makes me want to talk about next is a both and question. So I think that, the, that sometimes it's do Black teachers, do Black educators, do Black institutions just create their own thing or do they, do they maneuver through the system? And I want you to both to talk a little bit about how you and your experience know that retaining teachers in school settings, in a traditional public school setting, um, what that takes for a school to continue to have a teacher that feels valued in that space. But then additionally talk about the, the things that, that teachers need to do when they know that, that they're no longer being served in the spaces that they're in and what, what should they do um, in, in order to get there. I think for one, like, I think that, I don't think I've ever been in a school setting where I felt like I was supported. Um, that's number one. Um, I think what could have helped is not only the presence of other black teachers, but also like, uh, like some formation amongst us, like a space that we knew that we could go that will not be infiltrated by our white coworkers, um, a space that we didn't have to share with other groups of color, just something that specifically, you know, a space for specifically black educators um, and an admin that understands that, you know, I, I have yet to meet work with an administrator who understands that it's a different experience. And that's been the case even when the administrators are black too. It's like we somehow forget um, that we are very much, not even were, are still in the same shoes because we are still in this skin. So Definitely more acknowledging that, like name that elephant in the room, stop calling, stop trying to, I can't even say stop trying to make it political because it is, stop being, stop being not okay with it being political because that, that's what it's going to have to be. And um, what was the, the last part of your question? Because I really liked it and I really want to answer it. Oh, so like, what do, what do you suggest that people do, right? What do you suggest that when I'm in a space and I know it's not serving me and it's also not serving kids because when you're not serving your teachers, it's very mm -hmm. unlikely. Your school is going to be serving your kids. Um, 
what do they do? They so y'all made making us matter. What where do they connect? What 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 should happen? What are the, the wheels? What wheels should be turning in their heads in those moments? So I think initially the first thing is if you're not being served somewhere, leave. And I know that's hard for black educators because we get invested in these kids. We love on these kids. And I thought it was callous when my father said it, but I get it now. It's kids everywhere. You are not gonna run out of kids to love. Um, but do not damage yourself by and, and, and get more and more detached from this profession by staying somewhere. That is the number one black teacher killer staying in a place and remaining where they're not being served. Um, it, it takes a lot to withstand that. If you feel like you can't grow at some point, you have to go. And I can't speak for E, but I feel like that's what happened for me. I went from state to state, school to school and had to start seeing it. it, it no matter where I go it's going to be the same narrative. So let me move into a space where I can um, create my own vision. And one thing that I think we both learned going into this is that there are so many groups out here doing the work. So even people who are daunted by, okay, well, I don't want to start my own org, join one, join us. <laughs> you know, like there's, there doesn't have to be a huge weight on you to create the things you want to see. We out here. Um, and and I, I wish more of us realized that. Yes, find that coalition, hundred percent, hundred percent. You go. So, anything you wanted to add? Yeah, I just want to say I think for Black educators, we we need to go into education understanding that the system isn't set up to support us. So, if we go into the go into it that way, we can work to build our own affinity spaces and, like Gertrude is saying, find spaces that already exist and join it's imperative to the sustainability of us in this profession. Um, but I do think with regard to black retention, also there's, it's, it's twofold. It's like, do you want to put that responsibility in the hands of these institutions, these districts, these administrators who, you know, to, to them retention is like, let's hire some folks and see if that makes us look good and then keep it moving. But they're not actually making those school sites safer. They're not actually making those departments more inclusive and understanding of these teachers that come in from, you know, intersectional marginalized positions. I also think that for, there are a lot of teachers who are teaching in places that they're no longer being served. That's, that's, that's a fact. And it's, it's, it's difficult to say just walk away for sure. Um, but I think there's something important about as you're in these positions where you're no longer being served, what, what does it look like to dream up something new? What does it look like to create something outside of that space for yourself that you can serve yourself and the folks that you, and that means being creative. That means being innovative. That means stepping away for sure. But also, you know, not everybody can lose that check. So, you know, there's a balance between all of it and it's a tough position to be black in education period. So the more we can align and commit to some collective um, solidarity between us, the better. Collective solidarity. That is, that, that is the work, right? And I think it, you're so, both of you are so right. It's, it's leave. It's, I mean, the reality is we know that going into the 2021, 2022 school year, there are jobs on jobs, on jobs, on jobs, on jobs, because teachers are leaving, not just because of the COVID-19 pandemic, because they realized that you had, that schools had an opportunity to say, we are going to do something different. And they all were like, no, we just going to put the same thing on Zoom. 
And that shows you exactly what y'all are talking about. It, the system doesn't want to move. And so it's a both and in that in the system with these kids, there, some of us need to be in it. And then some of us need to be outside of it fighting and and warring and and recreating and building um because I mean that is the, the the work of abolition so I'm, I'm so grateful um and, and that brings me kind of to my to my last question like I just wanted us to be able to kind of get in to what is the call to action what is the call to action to school communities what is this call to action to educators white Black, Latinx, otherwise, um, what is the call to action to to begin really picking apart how we we provide a quality education to Black kids, to Latin kids, um, to kids of different genders, races, um, sexual orientations, religions? What, what is our call to action uh, for them? Because I think that that folks need a kick in the butt right now. Well, well I think with all those groups, this the first thing that comes to my head is we need to decenter whiteness for all of us. Like that's, that's off top. Um, a lot of studies will show when you have black teachers at the helm, students perform better. When you have courses like in Arizona, they're doing the ethnic studies course for the Latinx students. And when they're in those classes, their test scores, even though test scores are arbitrary, we all, you know, we know what that is, went through the roof because they're engaged. They see themselves in the curriculum. They're seeing that their knowledge is valuable. And often education is set up so only certain people are valuable of knowing. Um, certain people are considered knowledgeable. And I think really, if we're talking about all those groups outside of just Black educators and Black students, there's something to be said about all of us banding together and creating our own insulated practices within these spaces. Like, how do we each create our own can I curse on this? I don't know, but that was what came to my head. Um, how can we each create our own spaces so that we can elevate our own people so that we can challenge these oppressive systems, right? That's, that's, that's the way that we need to go about it. And when you give kids access to information, when you give kids access so that they can know themselves and they can know the world around them, they are more likely to have the ability to change the world. And so with education and all those different groups, it's really about folks in those groups creating their own affinity spaces, creating their own educational spaces, creating their own space to cultivate the educators that they want around their kids and then elevating that. And then once we all establish that and we heal within our own communities, we can start to spread and have this solidarity amongst the BIPOC community and build from there. And then we get, then we can challenge the institution that's setting us up for failure because we have this strong thing that we've created and, and, and dreamed up. So I, that's my my take on it. Oh, so good. Um, and I don't even extra to add to that um, at all. Just that doing that is not as impossible as we're conditioned to think that it is. Um, and and that's one thing that I feel like it's not. It's never difficult to figure out there's there's something wrong. Um, you you get that. You got that in your first year. Um, but it's a whole nother thing to realize what you can do. Um, and I think a big call is to realize that and not feel like you have to minimize. And that's why, like, I really believe in affinity group spaces. Um, we had, when we first started, I remember, um, people from other BIPOC groups, um, so, you know, we want to do this with y'all. We want to, and, and it's not about, uh, separating us. It's about like, we have very 
unique histories with white supremacy in our own groups. And we need to discuss those things. Um, and I think that if this year has proven anything, like no one is exempt. And I think the quicker we get into holding on to that and understanding that that's the case, um, the quicker we'll be called to action. But um, definitely stop this act of self-minimizing. Um, definitely stop the act of being afraid um, of, of, of what administrators are going to say with um, just the white supremacist messages that we get throughout the school that hold us from doing that. Like, it's all by design. Like, and that's what I'm wishing people would understand. Like, that is by design. Like, the fact that there might be, like, the top 10 in school, like, if their images are plastered, their, their white faces are plastered against the wall, that's just not a message to shut down Black students. That's a message to shut down your Black ass, too. Um, and and the, the, the minute we realize that... Um, that that's a conditioning uh, that we have. The the the, the easier it is, not the easier, but the. How do I say this? It just puts you on the right track, but it, it's a painful place to be. It is painful, and I think that's what keeps people off. I think like that's what keeps people bobbling heads. I think that that's what keeps people safe on the job. And like while it may be playing it safe for our livelihoods, we playing a dangerous game with these kids. Because all they do is replicate it. Um, all they do is see us live being black. And we have to ask ourselves, like, do we want the same issues that we're discussing as educators now? Is that the same kind of conversation we want our students to have down the line if they decide they want to be educators? And the answer should be no. Hmm. The answer should be no. Oh, man. I mean, we could go... Okay, so the Google Voice just decided it was going to come on. Okay. Um, but, I mean, that just leads into, because there's nothing else to be said, right? Um, and so that leads into the last question. As always, um, I become the interviewee, you become the interviewer, and you all can ask me a question um, as it pertains to the, to the topic. What is your freedom dream for creating space for folks like yourself, Black educators, entering it? Um, I think, yeah, I think my freedom dream is is to consistently be in coalition and consistently be in coalition that with folks where it's not hard. Um, and and I say that because I, I mean every 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 week I, I meet up with my sisters at Restore More, and every week we are baffled by what we create in thirty minutes. We have thirty minute lunch conversation every Thursday, and we're baffled by what we create. And then we sit back and say, why are we baffled by this? We're people who are committed to the work, we're people who want to see the best for kids, we're people who want to see the best for educators, and we're people who genuinely believe in the ability for our future to look better and to look different. And so, of course, when we all come together, we're going to be able to, to make something incredible happen. Um, and so I think my freedom dream is just for the rest of my life, being able to be in coalition, knowing that I'm going to leave the same problem to my kids, but, but ha having them be more well-equipped to handle it and to pair it with joy and excitement and love, which is the ultimate abolitionist act. Yeah. Love it. I'm gonna copy your phrase. Love it. <laughs> Do you have one, Gertrude? So I know you said you had a very tenuous first year, like of all the years to start teaching, like what a year to start. Um, 
what's your plan for next year? Like what what have you learned in this previous school year, in this school year here that's gonna influence how you move next school year? Wow, I love that question. And I'm gonna tiptoe around it in the best way I can, knowing that school administrators could be listening to this. Mm-hmm. Um I have learned that United States of America, as does most uh, world leaders, have a, has a commitment to complacency, a commitment. Um, they've committed to giving someone what they wouldn't give themselves. Um, they've committed to answering questions in the ways that would be inappropriate if it was, the, if it was their child's teacher answering that same way. Um, And so similarly to what we've talked about, I am very okay with the repercussions of being someone who is a fighter. Um, And I'm okay with the repercussions of not being well-liked. And so I think that my unique lived experience has armed me with enough thick skin to just be like, oh, just just throw them off, right? And then you have those days where like, oh, nope, couldn't throw it off today. Um, but I think moving into next year, I don't know where I'm going to be teaching. I don't know if I'm going to be teaching. I don't know how I'm going to be teaching, but I know that my life's work is committed to education and is committed to giving students the education that I wish I had. And so whatever that means, whatever is in store, whatever comes from that, I just wanna be able to say that I'm living into that core value and that dream rather than for the sake of, well, you can't quit because we told you your whole life you couldn't or you can't leave because they said you can't leave or like like all of these, these arbitrary reasons that we give ourselves of why we have to stay unhappy. Um, I'm going to do what is best going to serve my ability to live into my core value. I think that's the best way I could answer that. <laughs> I think that's beautifully put. Like, you know, don't, don't, don't. I was about to cuss too. Don't let these folks break your spirit. Like, don't, don't lose your spirit chasing somebody else's dream, especially when that dream wasn't intended for you anyway. You know? yeah. And that and that's on period. And so I want folks to have the opportunity to connect with you if they want to. So tell folks where they can reach you, whether it's website, Instagram, um, where can they get in contact with making us matter? What because they want to be living into their freedom dreams as well. For sure. Uh, before we do that, I do want to say one thing you said that I'm trying to be the teacher that I didn't have. I, I love that and I hope people take that in. How can we be what we needed as students? Um, and that's a beautiful thing. So I just wanted to highlight that. Thank you. Um, you can reach us at Making Us Matter on all socials, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, um, all the jazz, you know. And then you can reach me on Instagram at teach.love underscore. Um, you can reach Gertrude on Instagram at your favorite damn teacher underscore under each word. What else, Gertrude? Um Definitely visit our website, www.makingusmatter.com. Check out the things we're doing. Check out, um, we keep that updated for our next installments. If you want to be involved in any kind of way, definitely uh, 
check us out and reach out. And so listen to them, reach out. You don't have to start your own thing because there are things already out there. And so thank you both. Oh, I also have to shout you out because we already recorded this episode and it got messed up and they were willing to come back on and re-record. And I am so grateful and thankful. So I'm going to end on expressing my gratitude to you all. Check them out. They're incredible. Enjoy the episode and have a great rest of your day.